Hey, and welcome back to Game Talk. I'm your host, Amit Mion. Today, I'm joined by Connor. Hey, guys. And Mike. Hi. And I wanted to kick things off today by just talking about uh, a couple of announcements Nintendo made. Uh, and I think they're substantial enough to have constituted maybe a mini direct, but they just decided to like drop them without any fanfare. One of them being like the major Mario Maker update. And it's actually really interesting because, Connor, we we spoke about this hypothetical update at the time a few episodes back, and you essentially predicted everything that would be in it. Uh, uh, Yeah, I mean, I predicted the the core feature for me. I didn't know they were going to add, like, the frog suit or Super Mario 2 stuff. But uh, the The core feature of the update, huh? The world builder, right? Yeah, the world builder is the most important thing to me. And, uh, yeah, I played around with it today. I mean, I don't build at all. I uh, just play levels in Mario Maker. But uh, yeah. so far, I really like it. Um, there's one big setback that kind of bothers me about it, which is that, like, as far as I can tell, like, the it doesn't have a good browser. Like, it seems like you just hit a button and, like, <laughs> ten random world builder world things i'm hesitant to call them worlds because like you know mario has like eight worlds and however many levels per world the the vocabulary is a little weird on it right yeah so i'll just call them super worlds for now because that's what they're calling it right uh okay so you get like 10 super worlds or something and you just pick from those 10 and you can hit a button and you get a random another 10 super worlds like as so far there's as I can no tell. like sword feature at all yeah it didn't seem like it Gosh, that's yeah, that's bad. It's a classic Nintendo move, right? Like they create this beautiful it's a thing that we've wanted. Thing. <laughs> yeah, we've wanted it for ages, and it's kind of terrible because of that. Yeah, but also like obviously, like there's no good worlds out yet. Like it's day one, you know, True. and the, the, ha- having this addition changes the way. Like it changes the entire game, in my opinion. Like this isn't just a a cosmetic addition. Like it'll be nice. To, like, be able to just group all your worlds as a creator that you've made, or all your levels that you've made before. But the most important thing to to me about this is that, like, the really talented creators can actually do a difficulty curve. And, like... Yeah, I mean, essentially, this means that people can create full-fledged Mario games and not right, just yeah, individual yeah. levels. You have a hard cap at, like, 40 levels, I think, but still, that's, that's plenty. That's substantial. <laughs> yeah, plenty yeah. levels. So... It's super cool, but uh, yeah, nothing I've played has really like blown me away yet. I, th- yeah, I like, think it's a, a loss. It just came out, yeah. It's a missed opportunity that Nintendo didn't release like one with it, you know. Even if yeah. they didn't make the levels, if they'd curated levels or something, or and maybe one. they should have had like a like a beta phase, like Dreams did, to sort of yeah. like cultivate it a little. Yeah, but right now, you know, if you're not building. It's kind of not worth checking out. I'd I'd come back to it in a week. Probably by the time this episode is out, there's going to be some good stuff in there. Yeah, people work pretty fast. And, like, I don't know. Like, the browser sucks, right? But, like, you can still, like, I don't know. I feel like most people find their levels by, like, knowing good creators and stuff anyway. The people who are really into Mario Maker, like, have favorited creators. And if you're doing all that anyway then, like, your favorite creator is probably going to make a super world, and you're going to play that super world and be stoked about it. Yeah. And and this is substantial enough, like, 
entering a code for a single level has always sucked in my mind. Like, but I, w- I wouldn't mind like going on Reddit or Twitter or something and finding like, oh, this, you know, somebody saying that this super world is really cool. Check out the code. If I'm getting 40 levels out of entering that code, suddenly that payoff is worth it, right? Like, <laughs> Of course. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I mean, excited about it overall. No, it is really exciting. And I definitely think like it's kind of like the cherry on top for me for someone who hasn't purchased the game yet. I feel like if and when I do, I'll be getting so much value out of it. It is it's so substantial. Like I said earlier, uh, a few episodes back, like I I would presume that this would be like the core feature of a Mario Maker three, but I'm pretty surprised that they they just included it as a free update for this game. Um, yeah, I think it's uh, I'm not surprised. I don't think because they they did promise us a year of uh, feature updates. Yeah, and everything, and this this caps that off. They've said this is the last major update. I don't know. I have a hard time saying it. I, I just can't predict uh, modern Nintendo these days. Other than that, they always monkeys paw themselves. There's always <laughs> yeah. something wrong. So just for fun, if we speculate a little bit, do you think Super Mario Maker 3E could potentially include, like, 3D worlds? Wouldn't that be kind of crazy? How would that yeah, even be Yeah, the doable? problem is... I don't know. I could see 3D world style 3D worlds because those really did feel like they were put together with a fairly simple level editor. Yep. Well, not fairly simple. That's let's take a step back. Game development's hard and complicated, but uh, you can see like that it looks like a level editor was kind of yeah. Used it's not Super on the Mario level game. of like <laughs> Mario Odyssey or something, you know? Yeah. Whereas Odyssey and 64 and Sunshine all look a little more natural. Yeah. I don't see those ever having a Mario Maker equivalent, but I could see maybe a Super Mario 3D World Maker. Yeah. I just feel like that's maybe the next step. Yeah, I don't know. It's complicated. 3D 3D level design is far yeah. more complicated than 2D to begin with. Like, I can't imagine tutorializing it. Well, I mean, Dreams seems to do that pretty well, even though Dreams like, it's, not, it's not just limited to platformers, though. But Yeah, Dreams tutorialized building things it did not tutorialize level development with uh or like level design concepts and stuff whereas like with mario maker they really like i i forgot you haven't played it Amit, but there are literally tutorials like giving you pro tips on how to design a good level and that's stuff, really like, cool yeah. using the coins to guide the player and not making troll levels they they really went all in on mario maker 2 and i i think it helped because a lot of the levels like like i've seen people playing random levels in mario maker 1 and the quality of the random levels in Mario Maker 2 is oh, far higher. Yeah. Oh, it's higher? Yeah. I was far higher. You, I, I thought you were going to say, like, varies wildly. But yeah, I, I just on the su- subject of troll levels, like, I, I've been highly entertained by, like, you know, for instance, Donkey's videos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mario Maker 2, where he just plays, like, these absolutely impossible, like, behemoths of levels. Yeah, I'm actually, I loved Mario Maker 1 YouTube. I, I never played Mario Maker 1 because I just didn't play my Wii U much. Yeah. But I, I was really hoping that Mario Maker 2 was going to blow up and, you know, we'd have another, you know. Because YouTube was just so obsessed with Mario Maker 1. Like, I think that's the, the Game Grumps longest running series, I think, is Mario Maker 1. Yeah. and I But I feel like YouTube's <laughs> been pretty on it for Mario Maker 2 as well. Like, it's a pretty popular topic on youtube is it not it's not nearly as big as the first one Mm -hmm. 
Well, I mean, the first one was the at that at the time it was like a new idea, you know, like yeah, make it was your lightning own 2D bottle. Mario. Yeah. It was it was, it's it sounds like such a simple concept when we talk about it today, but like at the time it was just like that is so innovative and cool and like yeah. it opens the door for so much potential. Yeah, and ROM hacks have been around forever, but like, not not forever, but for a while. And uh, yeah. this really this update is like the last nail in the coffin for me like I don't see myself playing a ROM hack really. Yeah, because it's it's so attainable to get, so, you know, because ROM the last feature that ROM hacks really had was worlds and stuff. Like they could make a full game, and now you can do that in Mario Maker. The only thing you can't do is make new mechanics, and I, I don't know. I think the vast majority of ROM hacks don't have a ton of new mechanics in them anyway. Yeah, I mean, when you t- start talking new mechanics, then that sort of deviates from what makes Mario Mario. You know, sort of like um. I, I'm really into ROM hacks, though. Uh, like, I don't play them a lot, but I like to follow them. I think it's really cool. Um, I don't know if you guys follow it at all, but the Super Mario 64 ROM hack community is just wild. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They just recently released Super Mario 64 Odyssey, which is a full recreation of Super Mario Odyssey and the Super Mario 64 engine. Jeez. I remember seeing uh, Super Mario 64, but every texture and every sound has been replaced with "Hi, I'm Daisy." Mm. Oh, that's God. not uh, that's not the kind of quality <laughs> I was talking that's about. Not <laughs> quality, but God, did it hurt me! But like, you know, they they have Super Mario 64 multiplayer. There's Super Mario 64 uh, Portal, which is like it adds a portal gun and a bunch of new level design, but it's Super Mario 64 physics. Wow! Like, there's a ton of ingenuity in the ROM hacking scene. Yeah, I, I don't ever see Nintendo going that route, because they want to oh, no. controlled creativity for Nintendo, I think. Yeah, no, because all these, I mean, a lot of these ROM hacks are really cool, but not necessarily that great. Like, people talk about, like, uh, Super Mario 64 Star Road and Last Impact a lot, and I've played them, and, like, I'll go as far as to say that they are extremely impressive, but the level design, and I'm not even saying I could do better. I don't know much about 3D level design or anything, but the level design isn't as good as Nintendo's is. Well, obviously, like yeah, not, obviously, yeah, you know, they're that's not. a pretty, that's the highest bar probably you could. Achieve. Yeah, but when when you play a Mario game, once you take away that like, I, it's the same reason I don't really care for new Super Mario Bros. games. Like once you take away that flawless level design, then you just have a really good platformer, and there's a lot of really good platformers out there. Yeah. No, certainly, yeah. The The level design is what elevates the, the Mario games and just Nintendo games in general. Yeah. I mean, there's so many Zelda-likes out there, but there's nothing comes close to the quality of a tried-and-true Zelda game. Also, Super Mario 64's engine, you have to be very careful with your level design to make those fun at all because the camera's so bad. Oh, yeah. And a lot of the that. ROM hacks have trouble with that. A lot of the ROM hacks actually like have done camera improvements. One of them even work, <clears throat> runs in widescreen. That's crazy. This was a whole world that I only had like a very surface level knowledge of. But yeah, it's it seems very like cool. the the pool's a lot deeper than I thought there. Yeah, ROM hacks are I, I love ROM hacks. I think they're super interesting. I, I mean, you've probably played Pokemon ROM hacks at some point, right? Like I feel like that's uh, the Uranium? One. Pokemon No, Ram. Uranium's a full new game. That's not a ROM hack. Right, okay. But, uh, like, Pokemon Chaos Black is a super common one. I've heard one. of them, yeah. Yeah, I've, I used to play them all the time, because, like, 
Pokemon games just. So how are those games altered? Do they just add new Pokemon or new gyms? Um, They're usually new maps, and uh, they often don't add new Pokemon. Like, sometimes they'll add, like, a Legendary or something, but then they'll just uh, do a new game using all the same Pokemon. I I know, like, some of them are crazy. Some of them have, like, ported new Pokemon back to the Game Boy Advance and stuff. Because, like, it's super common to hack uh, Emerald and Fire Red and Leaf Green. Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, they'll, like, port the DS Pokemon back to Game Boy Advance, at least. And they'll make, you know, they don't have things like cartridge size limitations, really. So, I mean, I think there is an upper limit. I think it's pretty high on Game Boy Advance, though, for how big the cartridges can be. And it's, it's pretty interesting. I, I mean, they're, the same thing comes up. The story is usually really edgy. Like, obviously, the story <laughs> of a normal Pokemon game is not very good. But yeah. uh, they're usually not super edgy, and that's usually the defining feature of most ROM hacks is edginess. Mm, in my experience, interesting. But they're interesting. It, it's neat to like. They give you mundane Pokemon as starters a lot of the time, which I think is really neat. So just like you know, like a Rattata or something. Yeah, like a Rattata, a Magmar, something like that. Like Magmar is not mundane. It's not. Yeah, that's Magmar's fair. Super I'm thinking of Slugma. I think. Slugma. The little tiny it looks like just a pool of lava that with eyes yeah, basically. That's, yeah. That's slugma. Yeah. That was one of the ones I played. You started with a slugma. They're interesting. Why would you start with a slugma? I don't know. My other option wasn't any better. I don't know. <laughs> well, in any case, like the other big piece of news I wanted to talk about was uh an an animal crossing update. And uh, we all kind of knew this was coming, but I I was kind of shocked that it, it came so quickly. Really? It seems it's to me at least it feels like the game just came out. I know it's been a few weeks, but like. See, I think if it had come any later, uh, I wouldn't have been super happy. So it lined up perfectly for me. The same day it got announced, I got my shop upgrade. Yeah. Which is neat. And mm-hmm. uh, but really, I've been kind of souring on Animal Crossing. I'm getting really tired of it. Uh, yeah, we're, it, it does seem like the routine's kind of grading me, too. Like, I feel like I've extracted most of the fun I'm going to get out of it, which yeah. is totally fine. Like, I've got, like, yeah, no, I've gotten you know, over 90 hours, plus hours, you know. I would love for this game to, like, the original Animal Crossing, then again, I was a kid, and games just last you longer when you're a kid, but I don't know. I would love for Animal Crossing to be something I enjoy checking in on for No, and I think it certainly is, is going to be that, you know, especially, like, if you look at at the timetable, what, it's been, like, roughly a month yeah. since Animal Crossing came out, and we're getting a major update already. So, if we can, if we assume we're going to get updates, like, semi-regularly at this pace, that's going to keep the game pretty fresh, I think. Especially, I think if it's any less than once a month, I'm going to have trouble, like, yeah. sticking with it. Because the stuff they're adding in this update, while I'm glad it's getting added, it's not really something I personally was missing. And that's kind of what's, what's grading on me the most, is stuff like that I had on New Leaf that I don't have available to me in so, New Horizons. Let's, let's let's talk about that really quick. So what they're adding? So they're adding a few things, right? They're adding an expansion yeah. to the museum where right, they, to hold there's like an art wing. Yeah. Also, and I, I have to put this out there. There is now canonically a penis in Animal Crossing. <laughs> what is it? Oh, the, one Michelangelo of the, one of the or something. Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, it's the one with the discus. I forget what it's called. I'm surprised Nintendo 
Yeah, I'm shocked they didn't censor it. But uh, uh, what I saw on Twitter, it was not censored. Mm. Which is hilarious. That is hilarious. Rated E for everybody. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's fine art. Like I'm yeah, the one being a child yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. But but uh, um, what what else are they adding again, Connor? Uh, so they're adding a character named Red who has like a black market type deal. Right. And Red historically can sell you. He sells art among rare furniture as well, usually. And uh, Red sells fake art sometimes, and you have to be able to discern what's real and what's fake. And as far as I know, there's not actually any way to tell the difference. New Leaf there was. There was actually, like, differences in the paintings, and I think they'll carry that over to this game. Right, so you had to, like, look it up, kind of. Like, you had to know what you were looking at and be able to spot the differences. So for the... For the plebeian like myself, with no knowledge of art, it was pretty much a shot in the dark whether yeah. or not you were getting a real thing. It's kind of silly that Nintendo just assumes, like, are these actual works of art? Yes. Yes. That's that's hilarious. So they yeah, just assume I, no, that, like, their, really funny. their player no, base think, just knows, has, I, I has an art history background. Dice. What's that? I think the idea is that you're rolling the dice. Yeah. And if yeah, you it wasn't the earlier history. ones. So, uh, another interesting question, uh... This is my first Animal Crossing, so I have no context, but like, was art in the previous games? Is this yes. like a new thing? This is okay. the first game that hasn't launched with art in it. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I, I, I do feel like at first, at least, like the first several updates will just be about bringing New Horizons up to par with the other Animal Crossing games in terms of features. Because you've said multiple times that, like... There's a you've lot. said that, like, a, a, after KK plays in your town, that's where other games start, but that's... Pretty much like that is where this game becomes stagnant after that. Yeah. So, and it's it's weird that it is that way. Like I'm I'm kind of frustrated with it because like I know that those things are coming in the pipeline. Like now that's been kind of made clear to me by this update. Yeah. But I don't feel like I'm working towards it anymore. Like I felt like I was working towards KK showing up, and now I feel like I'm waiting for things to happen. And that's not as fun to me. More accurately, just waiting for updates to drop to have more things to do, I guess. Yeah, and that's not a super fun <laughs> mentality. Yeah, I assume hypothetically, like a year from now, if someone buys Animal Crossing, they'll just it'll be the ideal experience. But yeah, and I have know, to it, assume like this patch we're getting right now has to have already been done. Right? Like, there's no way. Like, they delayed they had the game. They've been, like, year. putting the finishing touches on it when they released the game. And, and like, let's look at this game for a minute. Like, I, I, other than graphical improvements, they didn't change enough from New Leaf, in my opinion, for this to have, like, needed the time that it took. Like, I, I don't understand where all that time went, honestly. I, I'm a little frustrated with it, I think. Like, how feature bare it is compared to previous releases, given. Like, they got a whole extra year, right, when they delayed it? Yeah, I mean, I can't really speak to previous releases, but I don't know. At least in terms of, like, engagement, I, like, I I always felt like it was just fun to run around in the world for at least the first, like, 80-plus hours, right? Which yeah, is yeah, definitely it's fun. fun. It's just annoying to me that they released a game, like... I don't know. There's just features. So was this like a common criticism in like the reviews and stuff? Because I didn't really see anything like that. I, I think so. I mean, definitely. I think everybody was kind of starstruck with it. And also, like, 
the reviewers didn't necessarily know what was in the game because it takes over a month. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Like in in New Leaf, it took, and I guess technically I don't know that these things aren't in the game because like even the data, the data mining and stuff has been not totally conclusive on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So like some of my complaints, like not having the Dream Suite and stuff, that that could be in the game maybe, but not knowing is really weird because we've never known so little before. Yeah. What's the so. Dream Suite? The Dream Suite was a thing in New Leaf, and it's something I really want to have in New Horizons. You could, like, upload a copy of your town to the internet, and people could go to the Dream Suite and dream about your town, which was to say visit it, but nothing they did there was, like, had any consequences. Like, you couldn't actually keep anything that you got there. Mm -hmm. But it was just an opportunity to walk around somebody's town, like, just to see it. Yeah. And I, you know, honestly, that's all you can really do now. I mean, the multiplayer only exists really to show your town off. Mm-hmm. I feel like Animal Crossing is a game with so much potential for, like, little mini games and stuff. Kind of like the along the lines of Mario Party, I think. Just, like, little yeah. mini games. Or Yakuza. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, like yes. With, with just, like, little mundane activities. If they add little mini games to them, it would just go a long way, I think. And they exist. They they are in New Horizons. There are little mini games. They're just really hard to get to. Like I like told what? you, um, one of my neighbors, I pestered him like for half an hour or something. I was just bugging him a bunch, and he like put together a scavenger hunt on my island. Like I had to scour the entire island looking for something he'd buried with a time limit. Yeah, and that went a long way. Like, yeah, that's cool. Like I I haven't encountered anything like that yet. Yeah, no, I've played a hundred hours, hundred you know, and I've only seen that once. Hmm. It's kind of crazy. And we should like, up the frequency of that sort of thing. Yeah. But, I, you know, the the events are going to go a long way, I think. Like, the, the stamps in the museum, even though that'll be kind of dumb. Like, you literally just walk through the museum, it looks like, but it's something to do. Yeah. I, like, I think something that's really weird for me is that they put in this whole system for Isabel, like, delivering news. She barely ever has anything to say. Yeah, she never really... says like it's it's almost always just a waste of my time. Like it's almost a it's it's like a long pause from the game where Isabel talks about what TV she's been watching, and they didn't even put in that many like unique dialogue things for her. I, like I, I wonder, I wonder if that announcement system is is sort of just like them having it be a placeholder for like you know a year from now when there's more things going on in the game. There's more to say every day, but like right now it's pretty bare. Maybe, but it just feels they they should like this is such an easy game to have a plan for. They knew people were gonna buy it on launch day. They knew what schedule they were gonna release things on, at least to some extent. They could yeah. have written something interesting for Isabel to say every day for a year. That's only three hundred and sixty five things. Like that sounds like a lot, but you're Nintendo. You, you can afford it. <laughs> like, true, true. It's it's a weird call to not do that, in my opinion. It is, but at the same time, so this is kind of transitioning to another topic, but like at the same time, when they see sales performance like they're seeing with the effort they put in, like why would they be motivated? Yeah, exactly. To, so like, and, yeah, and like there are so many things that like I was able to look past at first because I was so starstruck by how charming this game is. I hate every time I have to play multiplayer, I dread it. Like I don't enjoy it anymore at all. Multiplayer is definitely tedious. I, I only do it to like sell turnips now. 
And I think that's par for the course for Nintendo. I mean, it, I mean, mul- they're good multiplayer. They're good online multiplayer games are a dime a dozen. Yeah, I mean, I've played Smash Bros. Online and had a good time with it, and like mm. still do. Yeah, like I, I I have some strong feelings about Smash Bros. Online. It's not unplayable to me. I only play it with time. friends. Yeah, yeah, you have to be in the same. You know, you have to be very close to each other. But like, if you try, I've tried to play like rank competitive before, and it's oh, just it's a waste so of time. annoying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Mario Kart was always really good. Yeah, online. Mario Kart's always solid. I I don't play it, but I imagine Splatoon is solid. Based yeah, on, it's gotta be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it has to be. It's Otherwise, the whole game. Jeez. And yeah. that's what's so confusing to me because a lot of the Splatoon two devs were on New Horizons. But then again, it's not like a netcode issue with Animal Crossing. Like, the actual, like, code side works. It's just that there's so many user experience hiccups with it and just weird stuff they won't let you do in multiplayer. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you literally can't do anything on your island if people are over. Yeah. Which is kind of baffling. Oh, I guess not nearly as bad now as it used to be. Are you saying they fixed it? They pick, no, I mean, like, old Animal Crossing games used to be even worse. You used to be able to do even oh, less. Oh, okay, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's still... I mean, the fact that I can't open my gates from my Nook phone, having to, like, do you want to connect to the internet? Yes, of course I want to connect to the internet. I just selected play online. Like, they act like connecting to the internet is some irreversible crime. Like, are you sure you want to do yeah. that? But just just to play devil's advocate here, this game is designed for children, you know. So like, I don't know. They're, they yeah, but the they want to make things controls. as clear and explicit as possible. The Switch has parental controls on it, like it does. And I do remember, like, I think when I first played, like, I think one of the first things I saw was like, get your parents help for this sort of thing. I I just thought that was such a weird thing. I forget exactly what it was for. Did you, did you guys yeah. see that when you started New Horizons? I can't remember. Yeah, there there was some weird thing like that. Like, I think maybe the first time I opted. Oh, to play the first time you go online. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah there was like a parents' big legal permission spiel. Like, yeah. Yeah. The League of Eagles. Yes. Yeah. At least they have fun with it. Yeah. Even the even the really annoying dialogue is super charming, but yeah, there's just no excuse for the menus to be so terrible. And like. I, I swear it's gotta gotta be like they took the menu code straight out of New Leaf because some of it like like they only ever have like four options per menu and on the 3DS that made sense because there wasn't enough screen space for more options but now you're on the Switch you got a 720p screen you can put you know ten options or whatever in a list it's not gonna hurt anybody and they're still not doing it yeah so it really does make me feel like a lot of the dialogue code was just ported. Yeah, definitely the weakest part of New Horizons is UX stuff. Yeah. Just unneeded tedium. Maybe it's there to mask loading issues? I don't know. I can't imagine loading text is taking them that long. I don't know. And it's also weird that, like, the only time the game has to pause to save is when you're talking to someone. Like, the game can autosave in the background 90% of the time, but then when you're talking to someone, like... Orville, like you want to leave your yeah. island and it has to pause to save. Like you would yeah, think that that's the like easiest place to mask a save. These are results of like maybe poor design decisions that were made early on. That yeah, yeah, it was designed in such a way that th- it has to be this way now. 
I it's think. like all design problems. It's not like the core game is so good, but then there's just a couple of little things that make it unbearable. Yeah. So actually, I wanted to bring this up a little bit. Um, I don't. I don't know if you guys saw this news, and it ties qu- quite nicely into like the online issues we're we're discussing for Nintendo. But uh, an investor. Um, Value Act acquired a 1.1 billion stake in Nintendo, and their aim for doing this was to help bolster and make their online services prosper more. Um, but the the one part of that that concerns me is that they compared uh, Nintendo. They want to bring Nintendo's prosperity online speaking, you know, strictly speaking of, like, online quality, up to EA and Activision's standards. Oh, which, no. Which, when I hear those two companies mentioned together with Nintendo, like, I'm sure the intent is is good there, but, like... Yeah, I mean, let's I, be I honest, kind of, like, I've never had an issue game. finding people to play a game with in Call of Duty, like... that's No, that, that's yeah. that's true, but, like, with, with this stake acquired in Nintendo, and w- which obviously gives them a little more of a voice in, like, you know, management and stuff, like, I, that worries me a little bit that they're, they're here standing EA and Activision. It probably means nothing. It's just the paranoia in me speaking. But. Yeah, I mean, they should have said PlayStation and Xbox if they wanted to talk about online that works, but... Yeah. But they like an interesting thing they said was we believe quote uh, we believe Nintendo will be one of the largest digital media services in the world in a category with the likes of Netflix and Disney Plus. So I mean they're they're poised to do it if they could get yeah. like if they could make their online services actually decent. Yeah, yeah, that it is certainly Nintendo's weak point and has been for what like a decade plus now. Yeah, it's been just kind yeah. of surprising to see that it's still that way. So yeah, perhaps this outside help will will really help bring that up, but also makes me gives me a little pause, just a little pause. Speaking of weird shakeups in online gaming, uh, did you guys hear about the issues with Valve today? Oh yeah, no, their source code le- got leaked. Yep, the Wait, source really? code for CS:GO was leaked, I believe, and now oh, man. and TF2 and TF2. Well, any source game at this point is incredibly dangerous to play online. Yeah, because and this is mind-boggling to me. They found an exploit to run arbitrary code to any connected client. Jeez. Yeah. So if you own any of these games, you you cannot play them right now. It's yeah. extremely dangerous. This they, they could get access thing. to your Steam account. They could get access to your computer. Like, it's really, really bad. This might finally be the thing that kills TF2. Yeah. It was already on its deathbed, but this might kill it. Was it, though? Like, I always thought TF2 was a very popular... Like, I'm, I'm not really in that world too much, but, like, I know how big of a deal it is. And oh. if ever there was good news for Valorant. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, Valorant, yeah. I'll, I'll speak about that later. Yeah. Um, but, no, TF2, as shortly after that, I think they released their matchmaking update, which pretty much screwed over custom servers, it just started to die. Really? Like, a lot of, like, the custom servers that I used to play on are all dead and empty now. So... I mean, how how old is TF2? It's been around for a while, right? It's like 10 years old. Hold on. It's gotta be older than that. Yeah. I feel like 10 years ago was at its, like, height, you know? 
I'm checking. How old is TF2? 2007. Okay. <laughs> it's well over a decade old. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's crazy to me that uh, such an exploit is even possible. Yeah, I just – I mean, what on earth are they transferring? Like, I think of what you need for a competitive online shooter, and it's like text, <laughs> X, Y, and like that you shot a shot. Like, where on earth does arbitrary code execution come from there? Like, is yeah, that's, Counter-Strike that's, Source that's very... maybe because of sprays and stuff, but like – Yeah, that's, that's very uh... – Shadowy. I mean, yeah. Was... yeah, I don't. I mean, the fact that that exploit is there is scary, but like, I don't trust. I mean, I guess I technically do trust Valve with that because I run applications that they make on my computer, but like, you know, arbitrary code execution, like, if somebody had known about this and not the whole world known about it, like, that would have been really dangerous. So yeah. CSGO is apparently according to Valve's Twitter is safe because the version that was released was an old depot that was released to partners in like 2017. Okay. But yeah, I think it's irresponsible. If Valve still has the multiplayer up in TF2, I think that's extremely irresponsible. For like, sure, yeah. Especially, you know, if someone didn't hear the news or whatever, logs in, yeah. they're, they're extremely vulnerable. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine like, you know, not being able to go anywhere because you might catch a virus? <laughs> Who would want to live in such a world? Oh, <laughs> oh that hurt me. <laughs> uh, where? Is, how many players does TF2 have? Because TF2, like, I feel as soon as Overwatch released, it really just kind of went down. Yeah, Overwatch was one of the yeah the big ones that took over. I think. And now oh, it yeah. seems like I don't know a lot about Valorant, but I see it everywhere now. Oh like, my god! I, I am really close to wanting to play it because, like, I, I think it has better anti-cheat than CS:GO. Is something I heard. People are up in arms that it's a a level zero kernel anti-cheat, but a lot of anti-cheats use that same kernel access. Yeah, yeah, I've actually dug into that a little bit, and I felt comfortable with it. Yeah, it, it's always on, but. The issue is I um and this is another one of those like we always talk like I hate turn based combat and it takes me a lot to get past that I really don't like character shooters and that's like the only thing keeping me from Valorant like uh I'm gonna save my talk about Valorant for later oh you're sure, yeah. I'm actually okay. in the beta so yeah okay, car- well, we'll just character that. shooters yeah. like I don't know like if they're they are extremely appealing to me I just don't play too many first person shooters like I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast before but like when Overwatch first came out for like a week straight that's literally all I played like oh, yeah, 24/7 that's all I played then after that one week I never touched it again See I like a good FPS I don't think Overwatch and this is a super hot take uh, that like I'm not gonna I'm not this isn't the hill I'm gonna die on or anything but I don't think Overwatch is that good of a game I just think it has such amazing good game feel like it feels really good to play but like when you take a step back I just don't think it's that interesting on at, at a low level like at, at a competitive level most games get really interesting but Overwatch just doesn't really interest me yeah I don't know if I know enough about Overwatch to make an argument either way I've played it quite a bit and I think the thing that bothers me most is that they sell it like these characters are such a huge selling point of Overwatch, and they're supposed to be so charming and stuff. Well, to be fair, like whenever a new character is announced, like even for someone like me who doesn't care, like who isn't in that world at all, 
in that world at all, I hear about it. Like yeah, it's but everywhere. tell me one thing about any character in Overwatch that's not purely cosmetic. <laughs> I I wouldn't know. I, I yeah, assume exactly. I assume they have lore to them and stuff. Yeah, but Tracer's, none of it is uh, in the LGBT game. representation. That's yeah, all I got. I, like yeah, all these characters and stuff, but none of it's in the actual game. Yeah, you have to, like, it, go to all this extra yeah, media. Yeah, wouldn't it be so cool that. if they like made a lengthy campaign with these characters? Oh yeah, like, I'd actually have them do stuff in the story. I don't even need so a campaign sick. though. Like even if it was just like. I don't know, something. They something. have done some lore think, things through events, but that's about it. Yeah, yeah, but like I think we're speaking from the minority here. Like the overwhelming majority of people are totally happy that, with that just being flavor and then the game just being, you know, the multiplayer aspect of the game is the game, you know. That's what yeah. people care about. I like I'm, playing as just a random like soldier and shooters though, if I'm being honest. Like I like CS:GO in large part because you can't see the characters' faces. Yeah. <laughs> like I think that's cool. Like, you know, same with Halo. Like, uh, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, like, each has its own strengths and weaknesses, I think. And it's hard to explain why I feel that way, because I really like Doom, and the Doom Slayer has character. Yeah, I mean, but, like, in the case of, like, Call of Duty or something, it it definitely makes you feel yeah, more immersed. Character. Yeah, you're the soldier. Yeah. Like, and I, I prefer that vastly, I think, in a shooter. And, like... Especially something like like Valorant is very much taking a page out of CS:GO, and CS:GO, like I would be fine if it had classes, and really I don't see the difference between classes and characters mechanically, and I'd rather have classes, I think. But I think characters are more marketable. Maybe I don't really understand. Yeah, it they all. definitely are. But I I definitely and I also think that character shooters hurt esports, uh, because you don't see the player you see the character and i I don't know about that though like i'm I'm assuming like so i don't know anything about competitive overwatch but i'm assuming the players are all visible well competitive overwatch like like for example there's actually a competitive overwatch player on a cereal box right now like there's a brand deal going on okay i think but it's not the player it's the character and also Blizzard owns all the teams in the Overwatch League. Like Yeah, it's franchised. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's it's that that's all extremely stupid. Like it's all a marketing ploy. Like I mean, it's not a sport, it's a marketing ploy. Like, the fact that it's franchised is actually a lot better way of getting money into the teams because without franchising in esports, a lot of teams will just kind of suffer from not getting money from winning tournaments. Yeah. So franchising is probably the best idea. Like I know Riot does franchising with their league championships. Yeah, it's and just, they'll probably do it with Valorant. I I need focus on the players. Like the players are so much more interesting than the characters in a sports setting. Yeah, and the fact that like Overwatch esports is not exactly in the best of places right now because yeah. Blizzard doesn't know how to do an esport other than StarCraft. Yeah. Maybe they should take a page out of uh, Riot's book. Yeah, because I see, I see Valorant. I mean, I, I've just like I've cursory glanced at Valorant. We can talk about it more in your you know, later, but the, the level design looks very good, and it and that is attractive to me. See, I've yet to even see a screenshot of Valorant, but I just keep hearing about it over and over and over, and I, it, it's at the point now where I'm I'm so curious. I just want to look up gameplay of it. 
Well, not knowing anything. Into... I literally, I literally don't know anything about it. Do we want to move into games we've been playing? Sure. Yeah. So why don't we start with Valorant, Mike? So I got the Valorant beta. Um, it feels from someone who never played CS:GO, it feels really good to play. Everything about it feels good. The abilities feel good, and so it's it... not like they're like overpowered either. Is it a character shooter, kind of like Overwatch? Uh, in a way, but you actually have to buy your abilities. Oh, so oh, so it's actually like... pull off your economy as well. Okay, so that sounds very League esque. Not. A, are you familiar with Counter Strike at all, Amit? Not too much, no. So it it's is like... kind of like League. So it's like in a round, if you die once, you're out of the round. Right. Okay. Uh, and uh. If you survive a round, you get to keep all the items you had in that round, like your gun yeah. and stuff. Uh, and if you get kills, you get money for that. And also winning a round, you get money for that. I okay, think you get yeah. a small amount of money for losing. You get either between 1.9 or 2.9, depending on how long you've been losing. But yeah, um, you use that money to buy weapons. Balance. You use that money to buy weapons, and I guess in this case abilities, to use that round. And you get to keep them... Like, grenades yeah. are finite, yeah. obviously, but a gun, you would get your ammo back and stuff for the next round if you stayed alive. And you yeah. can also, like, uh, do you... I forget if in CSGO you got to keep a gun you stole into the next round. I Yes, you do get to keep a gun you stole because I stole someone's gun and was using it for, like, three rounds. Yeah, and I think that's amazing. Like, the, the heavy emphasis on staying alive is my favorite part of Counter-Strike. I've always loved, like... Because in so many shooters, you have people who just run into the fire, and they'll, like, kill you with a lucky shot, but then they'll die, too. Yeah. And that's not fun, really, to me. I mean, yeah, it, it is, but it's it's so much more tense. Like, it's like a really... So kind of like uh, uh, Rainbow Six, right? Yeah. Where it's just like... A lot like that. You have yeah. one life, the tension is through the roof. It's like a less tense version of PUBG, kind of, or Fortnite. Like, you know, because the, the matches yeah. are... The rounds are way shorter, but, like, if you're out of the round... You're out of the round. You're you're not coming back. Yeah, but so I guess my question is, what is it about Valorant that's got everyone so hyped up? I feel like it's a combination between their anti cheat being pretty solid, and their super high like tick rate servers. Like when I peek so around, it just the corner, feels really good to play. Yeah, it feels the gunplay feels great. The abilities mesh really well. Everything feels good about it. It's crazy to me that Riot, you know, like, they're not known for first-person shooters, right? But they, I mean, they they're come only out known for League, right? They're only known yeah. for League, yeah. And, but like, the, the League spinoffs. But, like, what what's just crazy to me is that they have the talent to just come out the gate and make a game like this. Well, they also yeah. have money, right? Like, Yeah, the, well, obviously they have the money. But, you know, you need talent and money to make a game like this. It's not just money, I think. I think the talent's out there to hire if you know how to find it. Yeah. You know? Like... You know, there are a lot of talented game developers who need money. <laughs> Most, yeah. <laughs> and all I've been playing since I got to the beta was Valorant. <laughs> yeah, I want to try it. it. I've been watching Twitch for like the first time ever trying to get in. Yeah, I like the way they're giving keys out and just it's based on drops from Twitch streams. So is the level design another big positive? Cause oh, yeah, I know. The level design's really satisfying. Since with abilities, there's an element of verticality almost in certain places. Like, you have to be able to look up as well. That's really cool. 
Yeah, I really appreciate the vertical element in first-person shooters. Like, the first, the last, or, yeah, sorry, the last uh, first-person shooter, and granted, again, I don't play many first-person shooters, but the last one that really impressed me level design-wise was, like, Halo 3. Like, like I loved the, the a huge majority of the multiplayer maps in that game were, are, I, I have them memorized, like, the back of my hand. And I feel like that's a good mark of a uh, of good level design if that's able if it, if it's able to Im- imprint on you like that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I haven't played uh, Counter Strike Go in two years probably, but I could probably draw you an accurate map of De Dust Two. Like I loved that map. Everyone yeah. did. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's the meme map to like. <clears throat> I mean, right now Valorant has three maps. One of them has a teleport, a one way teleporter in it. Ooh, that goes good. from A point to B point. So, so I feel like people are camping out B point just waiting for people to come through. Oh no, the teleporter is used by the defenders primarily. It's much so what, more easily really? accessible by defenders. So when you say defend, like what are the game modes here? So I, I in my mind I was just picturing like a team deathmatch type. No, thing. it's like, search and destroy. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Like the. The teleporter is one way, and it goes directly like into the middle of the map from the B point. And generally, when I go through it, there's always every single person on the other team kind of sitting there, ready to move on to A. So I get gunned down <laughs> every time. But it's it's similar, like you said, search and destroy. It's like the bomb planting, right? Yeah. Like, okay. Is it, so? Is that intended to be the only mode? Just like CSGO, I think it's going to be the primary mode. Okay. Like, every every competitive shooter, Search and Destroy has become... It's the like most interesting. competitive game. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely remember from my my stint in COD 4, uh, when I was a big first-person shooter guy, like, that's mostly what we played. So it's interesting to see that that's persisted all these years. It's it's just more interesting than team deathmatch because camping yeah. isn't like like camping as a defender is obviously useful. And obviously, but, you know, there's more layers of strategy to search and destroy as well. Yeah. I feel like it's also the one life aspect. Yeah. That too. Like that's what really brings up search and destroy to being competitive. Because you can press numbers advantages a lot better than just you know doing really well in a team deathmatch. Yeah. Have you been streaming it, Mike? Oh, yeah, I've been streaming the crap out of Valorant. Can I get drops if I watch your stream? Yes, they recently enabled drops for all streamers. Okay, because I, I want into the beta if I can. I would love to play this game. My interest is very peaked, and probably after we finish here, I'm going to look up some gameplay videos. So w- what's the whole character aspect to it? Like, I still haven't really grasped that in my head, I guess. The characters have, like, this distinct set of abilities. Like, the character I play a good bit is based off of grenades. So they have, like, a cluster grenade, a bot that'll move in, like, a zigzag, a pattern. Or not a pattern. It'll move straight till it hits a wall, then bounce off the wall and go another direction. And then when it sees a player, it will chase after them and self-destruct. Okay. So each 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 uh, character has their own abilities. Yeah. But like one has, and not, but but not their own guns. I'm assuming because you can yeah, access the shop and get your own guns. Yeah, guns are shared. Okay, so this game sounds like a like if Overwatch and Counter Strike had a baby. It it really is. The abilities, to the large part, aren't like that game changing either. Sort of like Apex. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I was get... able to tolerate it in Apex because of how good the rest of the game was. So like, the game is more reliant on like it's so it's so it's mostly reliant on actual skill rather yeah. than like abilities, which is which is cool. other than your ultimate abilities. Your ultimate abilities are gonna they're guaranteed to get you at least a kill. Hmm. Some of them, just because of the way they work. Like one one character's ultimate ability reveals everyone on the map after he hacks a corpse. Wow! Like you kill someone and then you alt the corpse and then everyone on the map is revealed for a couple seconds. That's cool. And and I imagine time to kill is extremely low in this game. Oh yes, it's most guns are like a one or two bullet headshots, four bullet body shots. And you I saw that the fast. the bullet spray is uh, the same as Counter Strike essentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is to say, not random. Which means you can get good enough that there essentially is no bullet spread. Definitely yeah. sounds like a, a riots going for that for that market hard with this game. Yeah, I almost hate supporting F- riots FPS. though because they're such a terrible company. But here we are. They do yeah, good products I mean, though for some reason. Yeah, they do. Like I can't knock them. You know. They make yeah, games the that people like. There. And, and the remark about the being a bad company, like, I feel like now that all of that stuff's a little more transparent and, like, people are seeing into these companies and seeing some of the toxic culture there, I I hope that's motivating some change. Like, I know it is for Rockstar. Like, Rockstar put out a statement saying that, like, hey, we're doing all of these things. We've heard you. Like, all this stuff is being addressed. And we're yeah. being a lot more transparent about these things. And if Rockstar, which is, like, one of, if not the biggest game company in the world is doing it maybe that motivates other people to do it too speaking of toxic cultures jason Schreier's is uh out of kotaku yeah that's mm-hmm. interesting he's he, did you see where he's going uh bloomberg yeah, yeah which is that's wild. a that's a huge upgrade i think yeah yeah it's and, definitely and, a so weird... all of a sudden this means bloomberg's gonna be breaking news game news like yeah which is which is crazy to me yeah yeah, but uh, he was pretty unhappy with new management and stuff, wasn't he? So this is a, I mean, this is a good thing for him. Yeah, and Kotaku, yeah, it, it's been seeing like kind of like a mass exodus. Like uh, I don't know if any of you guys follow Tim Rogers, but uh, I find his videos hilarious. And he was with Kotaku for many years, and he just left as well. And he has got I, his I own Patreon set up due to like the Deadspin issue, where the guy who's running the company basically said no. <laughs> no, just in general. Uh, yeah, they were trying to do like ga- some some little games news because they liked doing games news on Deadspin, which was yeah. predominantly a sports site. But I had some games news on it too until the new owner of the company that also owns Kotaku and everything decided to shut that down and start firing writers. Yeah, and but like, yeah, I mean, so Kotaku's I think lost a good chunk of their talent, and I mean, Jason Trier is like the biggest loss i think he's he's a force to be reckoned with in the games industry so and i think this could only be good for him you know like he's going to be going to a bigger place uh that presumably he won't hate and like he'll keep doing his thing and breaking games news giving us things to talk about you know and the same thing with tim you know now he's no longer restricted if he was you know with kotaku he can continue to make the content he makes so good on these creators for uh, these guys for leaving and and uh, going to bigger and better things. But yeah, aside from that tangent, Mike, do you have anything more to say about Valorant? No, I've said everything I can right now. 
All right. Yeah, definitely going to check that out uh, after the show. Um, I think I can go next. So uh, a couple of episodes ago, I alluded to playing a really terrible mobile game. And I think I'm going to talk about it today. Uh, the game's called Adventure Capitalist. And I've been playing it like a crazy person for the past like two or three weeks. Wow, I'm surprised uh, you're still playing it. Yeah, I'm still playing it. And it's so bad, and I know it's bad, but I can't stop playing it. So essentially, <laughs> it, it's there's like no gameplay at all. All it is is one of those like clicking games. Yeah. They're so the, I, yeah. So you're you're you know you're a venture capitalist, and you have to uh, make investments, and it, those investments essentially just make you money. And the whole point of the game is that the numbers that you attain are just absolutely ridiculous. Like. Very soon, like, you know, after a few minutes of gameplay, you're going to be making trillions of dollars, you know? And then, like, an hour or two later, you're making, like, octillions, nonillions of dollars. And, like, now I'm making numbers that I can't even really pronounce uh, <laughs> that have so many zeros that, like, you know, like, it's pretty unfathomable. Uh, so you're unfathomable. saying that this yeah. game is terrible. I've actually heard good things about this game. Like, no, I, it's I a clicker like, game. But Yeah, it, it, it's a good clicker game, but I think the, the purist in me just hates the fact that I enjoy this game so much because there's, like, no gameplay. It's just, like, constant dopamine. You know, it's just, like, look at this big number, you know? But, like, one interesting thing is that, like, they have the concept of, like, these angel investors, right? So they start accumulating after you have over a trillion dollars. Mm-hmm. And uh, what they do is that they provide like a flat percentage bonus. Each one pres- uh, provides a bonus to like how much money you're making. So the idea is you can claim your investors, but that restarts all of your businesses to zero and you have to start again from scratch. But the idea is the more investors you have, the faster you can get to and eclipse the point you were at before. So eventually it gets to the point where you're, <laughs> you have like octillions of angels too. So it's just like... The snowball effect is just insane. Um, and it gets to the point where you can do a reset in, like, mere seconds. Because that's how fast you make the money back. Wow. Um, so, yeah, it's just... It's a con- it's a, it's a game of constant escalation. And you just, you know, you click, click, click to buy, buy, buy. And that's, that's really all there is to it. But it's just the satisfaction of seeing these absurdly high numbers. Yeah, I know you're a sucker for big numbers. Yeah, Maple Story, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like, again, I can't emphasize enough. Like, I've never even seen numbers this high before. Like, these, I've never, like, some, some of these numbers, like, like, my knowledge of high numbers got surpassed long ago. Like, these numbers are... So like bigger than a long. Um, Triskadikadu. Well, I think a long has like twenty six digits or something. Yeah, yeah, bigger than twenty six digits by far. I think I might be wrong. Yeah, but but Mike's Mike's got the right idea there. <laughs> yeah, like those those kind of numbers. Let me yeah. let me just boot up Adventure Capitalist and see where I'm at. Oh, you play it too? Oh no, I played it like long ago and actually put real money into it like an idiot. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, that's the dangerous part. So the oh, other. I'm gonna- booted up and it's going to send me notifications again like why aren't you playing my game yeah so the other dangerous part about this game is it it relies heavily on microtransactions and i've not spent a cent on it so like that's proof enough that you can play this game and enjoy it without having to spend money but like obviously you can spend money to accelerate the process if, if, if it's feeling slow to you and stuff like that spending real money is the only way to actually like completely complete the events Mm, that's not true i've completed a couple of events without spending money 
to get like max rewards. Like I was on the leaderboards and I was spending real money. It was not fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I haven't done that yet, and I don't think I will. Actually, I know I won't. Yeah, I'm not going to spend money on this game. But uh, <laughs> the the thing that helps you out, though, is that, like, you can apply multipliers to your money gain by watching ads. So I've been watching lots of ads. So, mm. like, half my time playing this game is actually just watching ads, which is, sounds ridiculous. But like, That is so adventure capitalist. I can't even wrap my head around it. Yeah. You were offline for 9,420 hours. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, how about that money or that number there, Mike? You want to? I got. Uh, I could get. You earned 521.722 sexacepta ignitalian. There you go. Yep. Watch Those are the kind words. of numbers we're talking about. Septa ignitalian. It's like I'm speaking a different language. How long yeah. was like 19 or 20 digits, by the way? Yeah, so this is, like, approaching 70, I think. I heard the yeah, Septa. that's a lot. So, yeah, that's what I've been playing. Don't I don't recommend it. Don't play it. Uh, speaking of big numbers, this is an aside, but did you see that MapleStory 2 uh, global servers are getting shut down? I heard it was getting shut down, yeah. So, so that game's just done, right? Yeah, well, in the West. I think it's still going strong in Korea, but... Yeah, I mean, I, don't, I think it came out and no one really cared. And like I tried I played it, it. And, it's not very and, good. Yeah, it was awful. Like Maple Story like, One you know, is superior in every aspect. Yeah, they they didn't really capture. I guess maybe I'll talk about Maple Story Two for my games I've been playing, even though I didn't play it much. Um, okay. I might I might do that as I might split the difference because I had another one I wanted to talk about, but uh, they kind of didn't. Um, they did too much questing, which is a weird thing for me to say because I thought Maple Story didn't have enough back in the day. Yeah, but, the questing uh, was so tedious in 2, from what yeah, I Yeah, it was so linear. It was, like, linear to the point you couldn't make any decisions at any point. Like, and it was too story-based. Like, I liked Maple Story's missions because they were, like, a story happening around you, whereas Maple Story 2 was a story happening about you, and I didn't like that as much. Yeah, I mean... I can't speak to Maple Story one or two's quest structure or anything because I, you, you know why? Yeah, I, I'm in it for just grinding. I felt but, like that um, wasn't even an option. But even the Maple act Story of two. yeah, like even the act of like combat and like leveling up felt so unsatisfying in Maple Story two. It felt a lot like every other MMO, which was unattractive. Anyway, that like uh, yeah, yeah, like it just was bland and yeah. Icky. I, like, I, I liked some stuff, it. like the 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 uh, content creation stuff in it. I thought was really neat, but I never even got to really experience it. What was the content creation stuff? I don't even. You know. could like build your own house, and you could build your own levels and stuff. Oh right, yeah. But I, I, knew about I never houses, even yeah. got to do any of that because I just didn't get far enough in the game. Yeah, it was just. I don't know. Like, I don't know why they felt the need to even release this game. Like, who releases a sequel to their MMO? Is that a that's thing? That's actually pretty common. Guild Wars 2 is uh, super popular. Oh, yeah, Guild Wars 2. Yeah, that's a popular one. Yeah. But I feel so. like, I don't know. I feel like it really shouldn't be necessary. If your MMO is designed right, you could just keep adding to it. Yeah, I mean, games get old eventually, I feel like. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no. There's actually a nice video by a. Nerd Slayer on YouTube that that covered the death of Maple Story 2. Uh, yeah, I think I watched that actually. 
it's a great channel. Everything about it is very like well, what is the word? Well researched. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, the game I actually quite liked that I played this week was uh, Gato Roboto. What is uh, that? It's kind of weird to describe. It's a um, it's a Metroidvania sort of. I'll explain that in a second. But it's a Metroidvania with a uh, one bit color, so it's all black and white, no gray, just black and white. And so the graphics are super charming, and I think. It's just really impressive how well they communicate everything, given that limitation. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's a super charming game and stuff, and it's it's a linear platformer shooter, like like almost Mega Man style, dressed up as a Metroidvania. And I say that it's only dressed up as a Metroidvania because at no point, I played probably an hour of it, maybe a little less. Um, so I guess it could change as I get farther into the game. But at no point was there a decision to make. And I think that that's the sign of a Metroidvania design-wise. I never like hit a fork in the road where there were two directions I could go that were both like viable. Like it would al- yeah. I would always hit a dead end almost immediately. Well, another, I think, telltale sign of a Metroidvania is an area you can't access at first, but then after you get some sort of upgrade, you go back to and then you explore that area. Right, and there has been some of that, but it's, like, really superficial. Like, you don't have to go back very far, or it's even, like, along the path or something. It's all felt very linear. But I, And I'm saying that because, like, I, not because it's a bad thing in this game necessarily, because the shooting is fun, it's super charming, I'm going to finish it, I really like it, and it's free on Game Pass. So, like, if you have that, you know, check it out, it's fun. I just don't... I don't know, the term Metroidvania gets thrown around an awful lot, and I feel like this one's really not in the spirit of a Metroidvania. Like, it's more like paying homage to a Metroid game, maybe? It's hard to explain. It really isn't. Like, it's not tickling the same parts of my brain that a Metroidvania does. Yeah. But Almost I, I do but like not the quite game. there, sounds like. It's super cute. You play as a cat named Ki... Kiwi, I think? Kiki. Kiki. And uh, you're, like, on a spaceship, and uh, the guy piloting the spaceship is, like, going to go check out, like, a disturbance on a planet. And uh, the spaceship crashes, and the guy gets injured. And so he's like, Kiki, you're going to have to go without me and explore this planet. And, like, he, you know, he kind of realizes, like, oh, my God, I'm talking to a cat. Like, this is stupid. But then Kiki actually does go and finds (laughs) a mech suit that miraculously fits Kiki. And you play as this cat and uh, shoot a bunch of stuff. (laughs) And it's pretty fun. And you get upgrades. Yeah, you get upgrades, yeah. Um, I actually think uh, something super interesting that it does that I really like is that uh, the first upgrade you get is the mech suit. But instead of having a morph ball, you leave the mech suit behind because the cat is so much smaller. So if you have to crawl into small spaces or go in water, you have to ditch the mech suit because the mech suit is not waterproof. Makes sense. And it doesn't fit. And I think that's super interesting because also Kiki... uh, is killed in a single shot when you're not in the mech suit. So it's like, you know. Extreme Titanfall 2. Yeah, they put you in the danger zone a little. Well, you also can't attack at all when you're just Kiki. Oh, okay. So not even that, really. But I I really like the game. I think it's an interesting... I've had my eye on it for a while. It was, like, really cheap on Switch. But now that it's on Game Pass, I had absolutely no reason not to check it out. And, yeah, I'd recommend it to, you know, anybody who's had their eye on it. Nice. 
Game Pass delivering again. Yeah, Game Pass is a good service. Uh, Yakuza just got added to Game Pass too. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, one of them, and I've been wanting that's, to check out that. That's series. a whole series. Like I, yeah, I've yet to dip my toe in that, but I keep hearing good things about it, and I think I would like it too if I tried it. Yeah, me too. But yeah, that's what I've been playing. All right, cool. Well, guys, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you guys for listening, and thank you Connor and Mike for joining me. You can follow us at Ad Podcast Game Talk on Twitter. Please like, rate, and review us on all the podcast services, including SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, and anything else you use to listen to podcasts. Join our Discord. Yes. Uh, click the description of this episode to join our Discord and chat with us there. Uh, once again, thank you, Connor and Mike. Yep. And we will catch you next time. See ya. Bye, guys.